You need a little bit of nasty, don't you? They're the little battles you need to win if Munster wanted to win this game. He lives and breathes line-out. How do they pick themselves up from this? The Red 78 with Alan Quinlan and Neil Briggs. Subscribe to the Rugby Channel on the OTB Sports app and turn on your notifications now. We're going to turn to what was uh, quite an extraordinary press conference in Dublin City Hall this morning and it amounts really to uh, unprecedented international action against Daniel Kinahan and the Kinahan operation at large. We are talking Irish, American and British law enforcement agencies very much working together. So this afternoon, the uh, Kinahan cartel was described as a transnational group that has generated an estimated one billion euro, leaving, quote, addiction and violence in its wake, end quote. And we heard from an array of different people, for instance, Drew Harris, the uh, Garda commissioner, uh, he described today as a landmark day in the fight against crime. He conceded that the apex of the organisation remains in jurisdictions without extradition agreements with Ireland. But he said that from today, uh, the operation would be running low on money, friends and influence, end quote. And then we also had Greg Gajanus, and he is from the US Treasury. So Gajanus outlined uh, sanctions on Uh, seven leaders of the crime group and three related companies. One of the companies, a boxing management uh, consultancy as well. And he added, and this was an eye-catching piece of detail, I think, or context. So he said, from a a US perspective, the Kinahan cartel was now being prioritised by US law enforcement in the same way it pursued the Italian Camorra Mafia group, the Yakuza Mafia of Japan and the Russian Mafia as well. So then Claire Cronin uh, addressed the media, US ambassador to Ireland, and uh, she announced that the US government is now offering a $5 million reward for information that leads to the financial disruption of the Kinahan operation or to the arrest of Daniel Kinahan, Christopher Sr. or Jr. And in today's briefing, uh, Christopher Kinahan Sr. was named as the head of the organisation. Daniel and Christopher Jr. has overseen the drug trafficking activities. Uh, We had Matthew Horne then. He was the UK representative. He's from UK National Crime. And he said the Kinahan cartel has transcended international boundaries, described today as a huge blow to the Kinahans. Bank accounts have been frozen. Uh, He said they thought they were untouchable. Uh, Today also marked the most specific release of information about cartel members, including their addresses, Uh, the numbers of their passports, both genuine and fake. For instance, Daniel Kinnan has five UK and Irish passports, three United Arab Emirates identification numbers. That kind of information was uh, laid out and it was added as well that authorities in Northern Ireland, Australia, the Netherlands and Spain were also working with the Irish authorities. So that's just uh, a fairly broad uh, sense of what happened uh, today. We're very happy to say Kieran Cunningham, Chief Sports Writer of the Irish Daily Stars, with us. Kieran is a, a podcast series on the uh, Kinahan involvement in boxing on the way very shortly. We also have Connor Lally with us, the Irish Times Security and Crime Editor. You're very welcome. Connor, I might start with you. Kieran and I would be more afraid with the, the boxing aspect uh, to all of this. Drew Harris uh, said of the US sanctions, he said they are a heavy blow, if not a crippling blow to the cartel. How significant was today? How unusual was today? You know, is the US government in the habit of pitching up and offering $5 million rewards in various countries? 
Yeah, I mean, certainly in an Irish context, Joe, it's 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 highly unusual. I mean, I've been covering crime now for twenty years for the Irish Times, and I've definitely never seen a day like today. Um, so very unusual. The the reward that's on offer is five million dollars to you know any person that can come forward. So technically speaking, several people could get you know that uh, that amount of money. Um, it's the maximum award the U.S. authorities are also allowed to offer, um, you know, to sources who can come forward and supply information that leads to, to the jailing of people involved in, you know, terrorism or organized crime. And I really think there's a sense that the inquiries into the Kinahan cartel in Britain and Ireland had kind of gone as far as, as they could go here. Um, so if you look back the the, over the last six years since the attack on the Regency Hotel, I mean, pretty much the Irish operation of the Kinnan cartel has been fairly wiped out. You know, there's been a lot of people jailed. Other people have had to flee abroad. And in the UK as well, you know, very senior targets have been jailed. We had uh, Thomas Bomber Cavanagh jailed only there last week for 21 years. So really, the sites now are set on, the, on what was described today as the apex of the cartel. They're all in Dubai. And there is a sense that the Brits and the Irish on their own are not going to catch a group of people in Dubai, but with the Americans' help, they could. And so we're into that second phase, the international phase of the operation. And you have to have the Americans by your side or else you're going to get nowhere. And we definitely have them by our side now. Mm. The sanctions are fairly extreme um, and the rewards on offer to people who can supply information are high. So it's a fairly good start. Obviously, though, I will state the obvious here. The leadership of the gang is still free. They still have their money. They're still involved in, you know, professional sport, which, um, you know, you, uh, you guys know all about, and obviously Kieran as well. Um, so there's a long way to go here, but the Americans are now with the Irish, and that's a big asset. And maybe expand, Connor, for us on the importance of the US influence. When is that with regard to extradition or the relationship with the United Arab Emirates or what? Yeah, I mean, it's a couple of things. I mean, first of all, the authorities in the United Arab Emirates haven't been very, you know, uh, helpful to Angarda Shia so far. Um, we, we also have no extradition arrangements in place with the UAE. So trying to get these people back here would be very hard. I think the chances of the Kinahan brothers or their father going on trial in Ireland, I, I always felt was fairly slim. I mean, Christopher Kinahan Sr. has lived abroad for over 20 years. Um, all his assets are abroad. All his crimes are, have really been carried out abroad, even though obviously drugs have, you know, come into Ireland. It is an international group and it's not based here. Um, so trying to convict them of crimes that were really carried out elsewhere would be quite hard. So the Americans may put pressure on the, on the UAE authorities to play ball a bit more. But one of the key um, one of the key assets of having them involved is the fact that the Kinahans would have used, you know, the financial institutions in America to pass cash through, to buy assets, uh, do deals, all that kind of thing. Um, and if the Americans go looking hard, they should find evidence there of that kind of activity. Um, and really, I feel going forward that could be the big, you know, that could be the big game changer. Now we don't know what they have. You know, we don't know what they have and, you know, what information they already have of concrete, you know, evidence of crimes carried out through, you know, U.S. banks and so on. Um, but the Americans are the ones who are best placed to do that. And they also have a lot of experience in helping to bring down or bringing down, you know, major international drugs car uh, cartels, whereas we don't. We've brought down the Irish operation and that was really all we were ever going to do. 
Okay. Uh, just to let listeners know, when we talk about some of the US sanctions announced today, so that extends to US banks, financial institutions, companies. It's now illegal for them to do business with the with uh, Kinahan gang members of the uh, three businesses uh, mentioned this morning. Any money the Kinahans have in the US or in US banks abroad can be blocked. Their credit cards, debit cards frozen. Uh, for instance, uh, they couldn't fly on a US airline now as the airlines are blocked from doing business with them. And I read in a piece this afternoon, I think it might have been your piece, Connor. Garda sources say the sanctions imposed on the Kinnins are the equivalent of some of those imposed on Russian oligarchs. Uh, Kieran, I might bring you in. As Connor uh, mentioned, uh, many members of the Kinnin organisation are currently behind bars. There had been a sense over the last six to 12 months that the and net was closing in on the apex, as they were described today, the apex of the organisation, and, and that's what today is about. Yeah, the, the, that perception might have been there, but at the same time, I think the last few months has seen a concerted effort from Daniel Kennan to sports wash his reputation again, mm. just like he did in 2020 when there was the release of a documentary of a rap track. Um, both uh, propounding a ludicrous conspiracy theory around the Regency when you had uh, Tyson Fury speaking out in his favour, etc. That was all orchestrated. He'd been lying very low and suddenly he, w- he was front and centre and a lot of people uh, speaking w- within boxing in his favour. And that's happened again and he agreed, you know, for example, to a three-hour interview with a podcaster, James English, which was subsequently pulled on legal advice. And I think he... He's, he has quite an ego and he's quite arrogant by all accounts. And I think he genuinely, because you have quite a few people in boxing, like working in this podcast series, have talked to a lot on and off the record. And a lot of them have said he is the most powerful man in boxing at the moment. That very few, he's involved in so many big fights. And I think he, he had that ambition for a long time that, you know, he would be the main player in boxing. And even though he'd probably been better off Staying in the shadows, you know, he couldn't resist it. And I think the, the extra glare hasn't helped him. It definitely hasn't helped the sport. And it raises serious questions for the for the sport uh, in the future now, how they react to this. How, like, already you see people backtracking, like Bob Arum, who was very vocal in support of Daniel Kinnan in the past, and uh, who, you know, he often blinded down the phone at various Irish journalists who asked him about Daniel Kinnan. You know, and Aram has now said that, you know, he wants nothing to do with any companies that are associated with Daniel Kinahan. So there's a lot of uh, there's a bit of ass covering going on already and people trying to, to mind their own patch. But I think, you know, it's be very interesting next week because Tyson Fury is fighting. There will be press conferences and surely there will be questions asked. Mm. Yeah, that's a complete 180 on Aram's part. It was very striking this afternoon. And to your point, Kieran, about coming out from the shadows and putting his head above the parapet almost. And, you know, for a lot of people, well, there was the Regency for sure where uh, attention was was very much grabbed in a grim way. But more recently, with the view to boxing, it was Tyson Fury announcing on Instagram he'd just been off the phone with Daniel and this fight against Joshua was on and everyone was saying, well, Daniel's the, make, the man to make this fight in the Middle East. Maybe 18 months, two years ago now. That was that was a moment where everybody realised just what a power broker he had become and that increased scrutiny and it was quite striking today that John O'Driscoll, who's the Assistant yeah. Commissioner for Organised and Serious Crime, he said today, quote, the manner in which they've interfered in the sporting world has provided more incentive if we didn't have enough to bring about the downfall of this organised crime group. thought that was an interesting comment, Connor. 
Yeah, I did think that was a very interesting comment. And he, he even, yeah, he, he nearly even went a little bit further and said the reason why everybody was so, you know, determined to try and catch them is because of, you know, the influence that they've had in sport and the way, I mean, the position that Daniel Kinahan has, you know, risen to in the pro game is just absolutely unbelievable, I think. Um, you know, he's at he's really at the top of it. And I think what happens there is a cartel becomes very powerful. They get very rich. They can outsource all of the tasks that they may get caught for, you know, organizing killings or bank transfers of cash, transporting drugs, all of that. Um, so we're used to that. We know that when criminals get wealthy, they can do that. And the Kinahans have been at that stage for, you know, for a long, long time. But I suppose what Daniel Kinham was trying to do, as Kieran said there, he seemed to be very arrogant. He seemed to just assume that it was only the media and the police in Ireland that really were aware of, you know, who was gang where they were the only ones really talking about it. And I think he felt that Ireland was such a small country in the global scale that we simply wouldn't be able to influence the boxing world. But, the you know, and to, um, you know, convince people that he is who the guards say he is. But his problem now is, of course, is that you've got U.S. law enforcement and they're saying the exact same thing that the guards have been saying for the, for the last you know, five or, t- or five or ten years. And when you have those posters with your face on them online, basically saying, you know, you're wanted by U.S. law enforcement and there's a five million dollar reward on offer for you. It's very hard to walk away from that. And it will be very interesting to see, as Kieran says there, what people like Tyson Fury say about this. Billy Joe Saunders, what some of the Irish boxers say about it. You cannot deny these, you know, US remarks quite as easily as an international audience could, um, you know, the Irish media or an Irish uh, police force. So I think from that perspective, it's a game changer and it'll be very interesting to see what happens. Having said that, he's got plenty of money and then boxing people don't seem to care, you know, um, where the cash comes from as long as there's plenty of it and he still has plenty of money. Joe, can I just make a quick point there? Because you mentioned John O'Driscoll, and I think it was either last year or the year before, but John O'Driscoll gave a press conference. And it does, he didn't mention Daniel Kinnan by name, but he made a very important point. He talked about the importance of boxing in deprived communities. Mm. And he, he said it has always been a hugely important sport in deprived communities in Ireland. And he said those are the same communities that have been destroyed by organised crime gangs and cartels. So... Um, you know, that's why it's, 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 it's a hugely significance for the sport as well, because this was always a sports story as well as a crime story. Like, <clears throat> excuse me, crime journalists did most of the running, like Connor, like Mick O'Toole, etc. But it was always a sports story because boxing is one of the only truly global sports. Like, if you look at the World Championship, over 200 countries compete. If you look at the World Champions, and the, uh, that's a amateur level. If you look at the World Champions and Olympic medalists, um, uh, they, they come from the countries that always win medals, like USA and Germany and Italy. But they also come from Ghana and Afghanistan and Kazakhstan and the Cook Islands. But there's very few sports that have that kind of global reach. But even in rich cities like New York and Los Angeles, there, there's corners where you find boxing gloves. Boxing gloves are everywhere. And this guy put himself front and center out. And he was allowed to do that because the way boxing runs itself. Or to be the reality is it doesn't run itself. It's completely lawless. Like there's no international governing body, and that's what this really highlights now. That a movement has to come from within boxing for change. Like say, for example, in UK, a lot of the Kinahan League boxers box in the UK, 
Boxing there is run by the box, British Boxing Board of Control. A guy, Robert Smith, the head guy there, he was approached and he said they couldn't do anything about Daniel Kinham. And, uh, but, and then he was asked, um, would he get a manager's license? He said, no way would he get a manager's license with all the questions that are posed around him. But he, he, he was working as a manager, except he was calling himself an advisor. And because he called himself an advisor, Boxing said they couldn't do anything about him, which is absolutely ludicrous. And there's not many other sports that would allow somebody like Daniel Kinnan to get involved at any level, let alone get to the very top. Like if you want to take an underage team and soccer or GA or rugby, you go through Garda vetting. Like Daniel Kinnan wouldn't have passed the most basic Garda vetting to, to coach an under eight team, but he was allowed to rise to the top in pro boxing. It's mm. madness. There's, there's actually one really interesting point that Kieran made there, and it's the fact that Kinnan, he was able to move in on boxing because it doesn't have a world uh, governing body. There's, you know, lots of agencies all over the place. Um, and really in drug dealing, he did the same thing. There's kind of every country, every country's police force takes care of its own paths. You know, the British police over in Britain, the guards here and 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 so on. And kind of what the Kinahan cartel were able to do was when Christy Kinahan uh, got out of prison just over 20 years ago in Ireland and he went to Spain and started to build his, you know, drugs wholesale empire there. Um, he kept his head down. His cartel wasn't killing anybody at that stage. He wasn't a priority for the Spanish authorities because they had lots of international cartels over there that were actually killing people in Spain, grabbing the headlines. So they were getting priority from Spanish law enforcement. And in the early days, because the Kinahan cartel was in Spain, he wasn't a priority for Ireland. So that's what the cartel have actually done. Just what Kieran has kind of outlined there in the sport. They have managed to not be taken on by individual police forces in the country where they operated until they were so big and powerful that you couldn't catch the leaders. So they've actually done the exact same thing, both in the drugs trade and in boxing. Just kind of interesting, you know? Yeah. In uh, matters of less importance, Chelsea have scored at the Burnabout, so they're 1-0 up courtesy of Mason Mount, 3-2 down on aggregate. We'll keep you updated on the live sport across the evening. Uh, boxing was uh, discussed uh, quite a bit at City Hall this morning. It wasn't just John O'Driscoll. So, for instance, a clip here of the uh, Garda Commissioner, Drew Harris. He had a message to boxing at large and the uh, boxing broadcasters as well. Have a listen. And in respect then of, of individuals, uh and very prominent sporting individuals who, who um, are obviously in some way connected uh, uh, with, with this uh, group. And I, I would say you, you need to look to your sport, you need to look to your fans, and you need to think of your own reputation because this is very serious announcement made today after a huge amount of work. Uh, it will withstand scrutiny, and what we're saying is based very solidly on the evidence and information that very many law enforcement agencies you saw represented here today uh, have gleaned and have provided in effect to an independent office for what is uh, a presidential direction. So that was Drew Harrison. He was asked about broadcasters, BT Sport and Sky and the BBC and TalkSport who have continued to broadcast uh, Fury's fights, Tyson Fury's fights and other boxers associated with MTK. He said, I'd ask them to look at their own business, at the probity of their own businesses and the relationship with their fans. And really, is this something that they want to be involved with in terms of their legitimate businesses? I think the answer to that is a resounding no. 
So, Kieran, speak to us about where the broadcasters are at the moment, and are they easy to get comments out of? You know, even even in the making of your uh, podcast, were they open to conversations about this no, or, or no, reticent? I, no, no, they weren't, Joe. And okay. this is a very important part of the boxing story because pro boxing needs TV money to survive, as, as most professional sports do. But uh, you know, it's particularly uh, you know it's leaned on it because it was the first one of the first sports to embrace the pay per view era um, and pay TV era. Uh, and, and that uh, you know that transformed the, the earnings of boxers, but it marginalised the audience. And now boxing, like when you when you go to the main broadcasters, like I've set them very simple questions, like yeah, you know, basically, have you ever talked to negotiated with Daniel Kinnan? Have you ever met Daniel Kinnan? Have you ever spoken to Daniel Kinnan? Whatever you know, they're very s- simple questions. Most of the broadcasters have ignored them that I've contacted or just sent denials. But then you talk to people within boxing. They say Daniel Kinnan is the main power broker and he makes the fights and he does the negotiations. And a huge part of negotiations is negotiating with broadcasters. And it's across the board within boxing. It's not just the broadcasters. It's, you know, there are managers as well. And, um, you know, uh, promotion uh, promoters who won't give you a straight answer when you ask, have they dealt with Daniel Kinnan? Well, somebody is clearly talking to him because he couldn't have the power that people say he he has, unless people are negotiating with him, unless people are talking to him. But there's a lot of denial there. And I would say there was a lot of hastily called meetings, uh, particularly in television companies today, because this would be poison for advertisers. Like, why would any advertiser want to be involved with a sport or a broadcast that's linked to a guy and we know who he is and we know what he is? So I think this this could be a, a real game changer for boxing. Like, it could... And it could uh, it could make some broadcasters question their relationship with the sport. It could, although, uh, you know, cynically, you would say this can't be breaking news to them, <laughs> even though, you know, we've seen Bob Arum uh, change his uh, position admittedly today. But the, the cynical answer could be, well, the reason advertisers will be around this is that this sport has always operated a touch in the shadows and it's immensely popular and there'll be a lot of eyeballs there. And so we want a piece of the pie. And that will be the, the answer, potentially, you know, big global companies aren't going to worry about the odd question from Kieran Cunningham. Well, that's, you know, one of the things that's said to you most often around this sport, when you question, you know, how somebody like Cunningham gets involved, People within the sport to use say that's boxing. Yeah, those two words you hear all the time, and that's boxing because they say that maybe because Frankie Carbo ran boxing for thirty years in the states, and he was a, a, a huge mafia figure. He was known as the mob's unofficial commissioner for boxing. But what people forget is that Frankie Carbo was sentenced to twenty-five years in prison, and his sentence was for corruption in boxing. You know, the people mentioned that Don King killed two people, but Don King was brought to court. You know, he got a manslaughter conviction for one of them. So Daniel Kinnan has never been brought before a court, you know, and you cannot defend what's happening now by referring to things that happened 50, 60, 70 years ago. Because the more, you know, you can look at all sorts of things that happened in society half a century ago that aren't acceptable now. And I think that particularly when you're relying on your pay TV channel, you're more reliant on goodwill and PR. You're very PR conscious. And this now, Kinahan and boxing don't look a good fit to me, to mm. a lot of companies. You know, I think they will question them. Mm. What's your sense of that point, Connor? Yeah, I mean, obviously, Kieran would know more about the boxing than I do. But I, I, I kind of, I, my sense of it is at the moment is that Daniel Kinahan is in a position now 
And I think once one or two people clearly back away from him, I think the whole thing will fall. Um, but they're, they're nearly, there has to be the first person, the first, you know, broadcaster, the first big, you know, agent or, you know, whatever it is, has to kind of come out and say, okay, we're not going to deal with Daniel Kinnan anymore, unofficially, officially, or whatever. Um, and I think if one or two people pull the plug, it's it, kind of like Lance Armstrong, you know, a few years ago when he was caught, once one corporate sponsor backed out, they were all gone within 48 hours. Mm. It's, it, it is the same kind of thing. But I would be fearful. He is a tricky character. He is not stupid. He has got a lot of money. He clearly is. Um, he's worked his way in deep into the sport and he knows everybody in it. He's one of the main power brokers in the game. And I just think even if people back away from him now publicly, could he just continue to be involved in an unofficial back, you know, background way? I think he probably could be. Um, so I think really the only answer is to try and get him before the courts, get him charged with a few serious offences and off the prison, as, you know, the people Kieran was talking about there earlier, um, ended up in jail. And I do think if any of the three Kinnans are going to be caught, I do think it's going to be him. Um, I just think his profile is very high. Um, he's just, he just, he has just dealt with so many people. And I think a lot of people will have it in for him. He's made a lot of enemies, uh, particularly in, you know, the organised crime world. And my suspicion is if, the, if any of the three of them are going to be caught, it will be him. Connor, can I just ask you, though, because would Daniel Kinahan want to stay involved if he, in boxing if he's to go step into the shadows? Because mm. it does seem to be that he wanted the glory. He liked people praising. He liked Tyson Fury hyping him up and yeah. Sonny Edwards and Billy Joe Saunders and these guys. Like, what is there in it for him if... Uh, you know, if he's completely in the background and nobody's allowed to mention his name. Yeah, I think that's right. I definitely think he wants to be in the ring at the end of the fight, you know, holding the guy's arm up. I think he wants, you know, he wants that ego and, you know, that kind of public attention. And it's no use to him to be the power broker if everybody isn't aware that, you know, he is the power broker. But having said that, he could take the view now that he's in a tricky spot. Obviously, the, you know, temperature around him has gone up even in the last uh, 24 hours. And he could say, look, I'll, you know, strategically take a step back here, do it all in the background. I'll I'll tell everybody who I work with, don't ever, you know, say my name on social media or in TV interviews. Keep me com completely out of it. I'll do the job quietly for five years and then I'll try and come back again and be in the ring, you, you know, be the limelight guy. Um, I think it kills him that he can't step into that public role and be this famous power broker and be on the TV all the time. I think that absolutely kills him because that's what he wants because he has a huge ego. Um, but maybe he'll be bright enough to just do a, do the job, you know, on the QT for a while and then come back. I don't know. Um, but I do think the involvement of the American law enforcement authorities now, it's going to make it very difficult for him. Um, really and truly, I think... And I think it's going to trip him up in ways we haven't even thought of yet, to be honest with you. I just think, you know, American corporate interests flow through everything in the world. Mm. And if you're cut off from that, like American banking and, you know, I just find it very, very difficult how he to see how he can operate in a kind of a, you know, any kind of even semi-informal way in, his, in a, you know, in pro boxing, if he's, you know, shut out of America, basically, yeah. out of the banking system, even, you know? Yeah, Joe, there's an important point as well around, around Kinahan's money. 
And, um, you know, without mentioning any names, there are various different companies that are, you know, that seem to be linked to him within boxing. And, as you know, we don't know, like some of those companies expanded at a huge rate during lockdown and during, during the two years of COVID and lockdown when boxing generally went into massive recession. But uh, they expanded at a rapid rate. And at the tap of money, if, if he's just pumping money into those and the tap of money is turned off, what happens? Because they have become very important within boxing. And, you know, there's quite a few Irish uh, boxers involved with companies uh, linked to Kinahan. You know, a lot, so this has implications that are massive for the sport, and we don't really know how to pan out yet. But I think I think you will see significant changes because of what's happened today. Mm. And Kieran, your sense of MTK and the brand now, and, and further to, to Connor's, you know, uh, prognosis, I suppose, that he, uh, Kinahan may well step away from the limelight because we, we've seen that pattern uh, through MGM as it was and then MTK and that you know and uh, this incredible rise from the gym in Marbella and yeah. that was 2012 territory and by 2014-15 over 100 boxers have been signed and some high profile boxers and then uh, there was the Jamie Moore uh, shooting an innocent uh, trainer and all this and then the Regency happened and then in 2017 MTK was sold to Sandra Vaughan and then uh, they oscillated on on whether he was involved or not involved, and we saw, you know, he was almost uh, platformed by Fury, and then, well, no, I'm not involved, and then they try again, and then there's backlash, and actually, no, I'm not involved, and it's and then it's I'm an advisor, and and so they've they've tried to come at this in various different ways. MTK have, well, according to their website, 300 fighters, uh, 25 gyms across several continents. They are, you know, uh, market leaders in this uh, sport inside. A decade, uh, which is which is quite extraordinary. Uh, presumably, they're saying uh, still that. Well, the last I heard is that Kinnan advises some of our fighters. Where does this uh, situation now leave MTK? Do you suspect? Well, there, there was something that was said today at, at the press conference. I can't remember the exact language, but there was an implication, definitely, that there's more to come. You know, that there's various companies mentioned today. You know, one of them was a boxing management company, a pretty obscure one in Dubai that nobody really knew of. Yeah. But Michael Conlon, Jimmy uh, Conlon and Paddy Barnes were part of it. Billy Joe Saunders, Huey, Huey Fury, I think it's called Hubu. Uh, but I don't think, I don't know of anybody who'd ever talked to that before. And we don't know now, like it'd be interesting down the line, are more companies going to be investigated that had a Kinahan connection at any stage? And that could put an MTK global uh, very much in the spotlight because if you go back to the Panorama documentary on Dara McIntyre doorstep Bob Yale and the CEO of MTK and uh, Bob wouldn't wouldn't agree to be uh, interviewed on camera but uh, Dara asked him um, where did the money come from to build this like you know build this monster out of nothing and he said we have a big pot of money and MTK never explained where that big pot of money came from but if that falls, you know, if it, if it falls under the remit of this investigation, which could happen, it would be interesting to see what, what, what comes out of it. <clears throat> OK, well, we're going to leave it there for the time being. Thank you both for your time very much. Kieran Cunningham, Chief Sports Writer with the Irish Daily Star. Thank you, Kieran. Cheers, Joe. And Connor. Connor Lally from the Irish Times Security and Crime Editor. I suspect you're uh, both writing about this tomorrow. Thanks, Connor. Thanks, Joe. Bye.